0: Welcome to Virtual Summit Success. I'm Jen, founder of Virtual Summit Search, and you're in the right place if you want to make the most of your Virtual Summit experience, whether you're a host or a Virtual Summit speaker. Let's get going with your next step to Virtual Summit success. You are listening to a short snippet from an Ask Me Anything session I did with Krista from Summit in a Box during Some of the Summit Podcaster Edition. We're talking summits and how summits and podcasts can work together. Let's dive in. So I will... Go ahead and let Krista introduce herself a little bit before we jump in so y'all can get to know her a little bit better. Thank you, Jen.
1: Hey, everybody. So happy to be here at Sell of the Summit. I love that this one is focused around podcasts, like so genius. My name is Krista. I run a company called Summit in a Box, where our goal is to help entrepreneurs run summits that 3x or more their business, as far as revenue, list growth, visibility, everything goes without starting the process and ending up going... Now what? What am I doing? This is so stressful. Like our goal is to make it easy. So we have every template, training, tutorial, resource you would ever need. We have over a thousand resources for hosting a summit to just make the process easy. We have, I have a podcast called the Summit Host Hangout Podcast. And basically I'm just a big summit nerd. So I'm so excited (laughs) to be here. And the podcast plus the summits together is just perfection. So this is awesome.
0: Yeah. I'm really excited. It's Summits are a great way to build a podcast audience and start monetizing the podcast sometimes even before you launch it. Krista was my co-host for the last edition of Sell with a Summit. So we love nerding out about summits together. So, mm-hmm. <laughs> okay. So first off, what would be one thing that you would say to someone who's like, I think I might want to host a summit, but it seems like a lot of work. I'm not sure what I should do it on. What would you tell them to get them going?
1: yeah i love this so the first thing i would say to them is it is a lot of work so if that's something you're not ready for or don't have the capacity for just know okay maybe i want to do this later maybe right now it's not my time or look at the things that are making you busy why are you saying i don't know if i'm gonna have time for this and is there anything you can pause or stop doing to make time for a summit. So for me, when I was thinking about my first time, I was doing so many things. I could not have kept doing all those things and planned that first summit. And so I was, I like really took a step back for the first time ever. And it was like, okay, I'm doing so many things to try to grow my business. What is and isn't working. So for me at that time, I was publishing weekly YouTube videos. I had never had a client tell me they found me through a YouTube video. So I stopped doing that. I was publishing a weekly blog posts along with that and weekly newsletters for two different websites. So I dropped down to every other week for both of them. I was posting on Facebook, my Facebook page all the time, Twitter 10 times a day, stop doing those things because they weren't working. Like mm-hmm. I wasn't stopping anything that was working. I was just stopping all the things that weren't. And now I had time for that summit. So look at your business and see if there's anything like that, where you can just straight up stop because it's not working or something where you're just like, I'm just going to pause this for now. And I can start doing it again after my summit when I'll have a bigger audience. So it'll pay off more anyways. And then from there, if you're stuck saying, okay, I want to do it, but I don't know what to do it about. That's. When it's time to look at your audience and your topic, So the first thing I want you to look at is the audience you have for your business. And I'm thinking I talked about this in my presentation and I'm totally Mm -hmm. blanking right now, but look at your audience for your business. If it's a wide audience, narrow your summit, like Jen did with this one. It's just for podcasters, makes everything so much easier. And then you can talk to people in that narrowed down audience and say, Hey, what kinds of things do you need help with? And they will tell you what to host their summit about. Like Again, Jen, as an example, what do people with podcasts have trouble doing? Growing an audience and monetizing. Boom! Here, sell with a summit. Solve our problems. Sell your solve your audience's problems. That's what you want your summit to do. So that would be the first place to go with that.
0: Perfect. Yeah, that's exactly what I would tell people too. So, okay. <laughs> so, what is something that you see trip up a lot of upcoming summit hosts? People who've never hosted a summit. What is something that they underestimate or don't think about until? creeps up and kind of hits them?
1: (laughs) I would say it is the audience and topic thing. Um, Not getting specific enough on that because it is easier. It's straight up easier to just think of the first audience that comes to mind, the first topic. And generally that's something like how to grow your online business or I don't know, how to be a happier mom or something like that. That's the first thing we think of. Cool, let's host someone on that. And we don't put in the effort to get more specific. And that's where the issues come in. And that's where my students can submit their like summit ideas and everything to me before they continue. So I can be like, that's a problem. And that's like the biggest thing I'm like, please don't host a summit about this. Let's see what we can do. And some of them listen, some of them don't. And the ones that don't are the ones that then struggle. They open registrations and they're like, why are my conversion rates so low? Why is no one signing up? Why aren't my speakers promoting? And everything like that's gonna come back and tie around to that audience and topic. Because if you have an audience and topic, that people aren't excited about, that's not unique, that doesn't stand out. Your speakers aren't going to want to promote. People aren't going to be excited to sign up when they see it. So I would say that, Say that's the biggest thing is taking the easy way out and just choosing the first audience and topic that comes to mind. And I'm like, I could preach on that all day long.
0: <laughs> I mean, I did an entire session on that. So yes, no. yes. <laughs> yeah, Krista and I are definitely on the same board with that because I did a summit. My very first summit was for creative entrepreneurs and I went too general with it. I did tracks, which helped, but it was about how to grow your creative business. And I got great responses, but it was, if you go too general, you're going to attract nobody mm-hmm. and it just makes everything so much harder. So we have another couple of questions. Becky is wondering how it works for non B2B stuff. So I believe Becky, your is yours the Literary Escape membership? And you're doing a a podcast around that. So what would you say to someone like Becky who isn't going and selling B2B? Hey, just hopping in real quick. If you are ready to host a summit or have already hosted one and want to get more out of the months of work you put into your summit, jump over to evergreensummits.com. I put together a free audio training that you can take on the go. Okay, now back to your regularly scheduled programming.
1: Yeah. So I have all kinds of students who aren't in B2B and everything still applies. You still have to get specific with the audience, which it sounds like you might already kind of have that down. Well, readers, if your audience is readers, we can get more specific than that too, even. But everything else still applies. You still have to have a specific topic that solves a problem. One of the most recent non-B2B summits I went to was for like parents of toddlers. Everything was like (laughs) set up the way I teach it. And heck yeah, I went to that. I bought that all access pass because they were solving a problem I have. Please help me not destroy my toddler and help her not destroy me. Like (laughs) that's (laughs) what I want in my life. So everything else can still be the same. The biggest thing I see trip up non-B2B people is the speakers because it seems like there might be a little bit more issues finding speakers who have the same target audience as you. Like it's easier, like doctors are the thing coming to mind. If you're hosting a summit that... It would involve doctors like going and reaching out to, to doctors, you know, but they don't have an audience. Well, if they don't have an audience, they can't promote. So, something you need to be careful about with a B2C summit is that you're still getting speakers who have the audience you're trying to attract. That's the biggest thing I see trip up from non B2B summits, but everything else is really the same. If you have any specific questions or anything you're like, oh, I don't think this is the same, let me know, Becky. But yeah, I've seen lots of incredible summits that weren't B2B.
0: Okay. Cool. So yeah, Becky's thinking that authors would be her speakers for this particular use case. So Yeah. I mean, as
1: long as the authors have an audience of the kinds of readers you want to attract, then that is great.
0: So Cynthia is wondering, what are some ways that you can monetize a summit? So I know we've done a bunch of different things. So
1: yeah. <laughs> so I feel like there's three that I talk about. First one is the all access pass, which you would have seen as you signed up for this summit. So someone signs up for the event for free and they, they get access to the presentations, they get to watch, they have a great experience, but if they want more, if they want, maybe, well, ongoing access to the presentations is usually included. If they want some awesome bonuses, if maybe they want um, special access to some certain live session, sessions or anything like that, you sell that as an all-access pass. So it's like an upgrade to the summit. That is the, the first way and the easiest way to monetize your summit because you know it's something people want. If they signed up to your summit, there's a decent chance they would want that. Average industry standard conversion rates for that are like 3 to 5%. Generally, the way I teach things, my uh, students are seeing 15, 15 15-ish percent, between 10 and 20 percent usually. And that can be huge. My first summit ever, I think, oh yeah, brought in $16,000 through the All Access Pass alone. The most recent one I just got done with brought in $80,000. So there is just, the range is crazy. I had a student who brought in uh, $100,000 through her All Access Pass in her first summit with no audience. And I was like, What happened? That's amazing. So an all-access pass is an incredible thing to do. Just keep in mind, like a $20 offer that's just access to presentations isn't going to sell well. You need those bonuses. You need some stuff that's going to make people want to buy. So that's the first thing. Second thing is to sell your offer after the summit. So if you have products, services, whatever that is, it should be related to the audience of your summit, of course, something they want should be related to the goal of the summit as well. Launch that after your summit starts. Uh, so with Sell with the Summit, last time we ran this, day five, I hosted a masterclass and it sold my Summit in the Box program. I provided, t- we provided a ton of value through it. <laughs> I'll say that. But yes. at the end, I opened the doors and was like, hey, if you want to make your summit easy, here is this offer I have for you best launch I've ever had through, for my amazing. So, so you can launch your thing through that. And you can also get sponsorships. So companies basically paying you to get in front of your audience in different ways, which Jen, I think I have never really successfully done sponsorships. I know Jen did a great job this time around, um, but that's another way to do it as well.
0: Yeah, it's and especially with sponsors because you can bring them on as speakers. So every single one of my sponsors is also a speaker. Krista's a sponsor, Nicole's a sponsor, Lindsay with Hello Audio is a sponsor, Descript's a sponsor, and they're all speaking. They all have amazing sessions. Sponsors are really – I've had a lot of fun. We didn't end up doing them much with the last edition, but I went as all out as I could with this one, and it's been great. I'm I'm really excited to have sponsors for this one because it just adds so much value for – Everybody attending the summit too. So, as a podcaster yourself, (laughs) what are some ways that you would suggest that podcasters kind of use their summit with their podcast to boost both of them? I love
1: this. So, I am actually at the summit as an attendee as well to to get more ideas for this because, oh my goodness, if I can use a summit to grow my podcast and vice versa, cool. But the first thing that comes to mind for me and the thing I've done before is oh my goodness, you have all of these awesome past guests who you know talk about great things. You know the ones that deliver the most value. You know the ones who were willing to promote their episode cool, you already have a bank of speakers to pull from. They know who they are or they know who you are. They've connected with you. They've promoted you before. There are so many things working together for you to already have an awesome bank of speakers to pull from. So I would say that is the easiest way to make the two play off of each other. Pull your past guests as summit speakers. And when you get new summit speakers, cool, invite them to your podcast after the event is over. And those just build on those things. I actually had a student who hosted a summit last week. And all this year, the only people who have been on her podcast since January, maybe even like December, were, were her summit speakers, every single summit speaker came on her podcast as a guest. And that was just a way to build um, interest for her summit for the podcast audience she already had. So I thought that was really cool, too. She thought it was a lot of work and like a lot of logistics. But I mean, really, if you and I think that was because of how much even farther ahead she had to be planning, she had to get yes, Get them on the podcast, get everything ready in time for it to all go live before her summit started, which kind of gives me a headache, but it's a really cool idea. So I love how your speakers can kind of come into play on both sides of things there.
0: One thing that I didn't end up having time for this time around, but one thing I want to do for the next one is as I'm editing the sessions in Descript, go and pull out pieces of it and put them into another Descript project and kind of make your own patchwork quilt of the speakers and do podcast episodes out of that. So that's another thing I'm going to play around with for the next one.
1: That's really cool. You could do like a top ten tips episode mm-hmm. and pull out like a couple little snippets. Ooh, I like that. Yeah. Let's <laughs> look into that.
0: <laughs> yeah, it makes it so much easier because then you also have less podcast content to create, no which is always great. It is. I hope you loved that chat with Krista as much as I did. You can catch the rest of Krista's Ask Me Anything session, including questions and answers about pre-recorded versus live summits, what to do when speakers don't promote, and paying your summit speakers when you grab the Sell the Summit Podcaster Edition All Access Pass. Just go to sellwithesummit.com slash podcaster to grab your ticket. Thanks for listening to Virtual Summit Success. Don't forget to leave a review and let others know your biggest takeaways from this episode every review helps others find us, and the more successful virtual summits there are, the more new tips we'll have to share with you. For show notes, links, and other resources, go to virtualsummitsuccess.live.